every major investable asset class has taken on some role of monetization because you, mm. you, you can't save with money. It just doesn't work. And they're getting more and more vulnerable because their valuations are making less and less sense. At the same time, the Bitcoin's valuation is making more and more sense. This is the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast, a show where average Joe firefighters explore the most important monetary technology of the 21st century. We talk Bitcoin, we talk finance, and we talk shit. It's another week and we're back again for another RIP session on the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast. This week, Josh and myself, Dan, are joined by former institutional investor and author, Alan Farrington. Alan is the co-author of new book, Bitcoin is Venice, and he's as witty as he is intelligent. This hour was rowdy, fun, and extremely informative. We cover topics in this chat, including what Bitcoin has in common with mixed martial arts and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Shout out to Alan's co-author, Sasha Myers, for this concept. Why Bitcoin is similar to medieval Venice why everything fights for liquidity and what this means for altcoins, overt yet profound Bitcoin sexual innuendos, including why size matters and why Bitcoin is engorged, how to properly cook a steak, and who wins in a fight between NVK and Saifedean Amus. Shout out to each of our sponsors. We're coming up on open enrollment. And if you're a Bitcoiner who's tired of the current health insurance model, check out CrowdHealth at joincrowdhealth.com. Use code BLUE for a special offer. If you're a business owner who has any logistics needs, in particular temperature-controlled freight solutions, check out Capital Logistics at capitallogisticsllc.com. And if you're in search of high-integrity Bitcoin financial services, check out Ledin at ledn.io. The BCB Pod is also powered by CoinKite. As we discuss in this episode, size matters, both big and small. CoinKite's team is aware of this, and that's why they've designed the new BlockClock Micro. You're likely familiar with the BlockClock Mini, every serious Bitcoiner's favorite item inside their home. But now CoinKite is making a new, smaller version with that same sleek, sexy, gorgeous design. Track a ton of different Bitcoin nerd metrics, including price, hash rate, block height, the number of reachable nodes on the network, and way more, all on a timeless e-ink digital display. The Block Clock Micro harnesses the benefits of the well-known Mini in a smaller, less expensive package. Reserve one now at blockclockmicro.com. Additionally, use promo code BCB for 5% off the most secure signing device on the market today, the cold card. Be sure to check out the entire suite of Bitcoin security and fun products at coinkite.com. And now, enjoy the chat. All views and language expressed by the hosts and guests in this podcast are solely their personal opinions and do not reflect their employers or organizations they are associated with. Do not treat any of the content in this podcast as investment advice or as an inducement to follow a particular strategy. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Alan, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Hey, we've got a special treat for you today. We didn't want to bring this ruse up right off the bat, but we've got a gentleman joining us who you're uh, close friends with. His name is Nassim Taleb, <laughs> and he's coming on to hash out some differences. He's He says he's got a bone to pick with you. Wait, wait, hold on. First of all, he wants to summarily just hurl insults and then hang up and leave. So uh, oh, I don't know how you want to deal with this. 
<laughs> well, I'm all ears because I mean, that would be the first time I've actually ever had direct contact with him. He, he refuses to acknowledge that I exist, which is, I, I mean, that I'm sure that comes across as kind of, I don't know, obnoxious or, or even narcissistic or something. But I think like, he assumes that nobody else exists but himself. But he, <laughs> but he, I don't know if you know this or if your audience knows this. He will like devote a decent portion of his life to trying to destroy people he genuinely doesn't like. So, like he goes massively out his way to attack people. So mm -hmm. I actually think it's kind of a privilege that he's never done that to me because he absolutely knows who I am. Or well, he knows what I did at least. He maybe doesn't know my name. He is aware of it, but he's never said anything about it. And I think it's so that he doesn't like, I think he's aware of the dynamics given how much more, you know, famous and popular he is than me that he doesn't want to Streisand it, right? He doesn't right. want to, draw attention yeah. to it where it wouldn't have been drawn otherwise. So I, I'm in this like weirdly unique position where he just refuses to acknowledge I exist. So if you do actually get him on the line, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> We'd love to. Well, next time you come on, he's going to be on here with us and we're just going to let you guys just beat the shit out of each other. BCB is becoming the cesspool for controversy and argumentation. <laughs> we have uh, Foss and uh, Carla Sare coming on next week to duke out their, their bond differences. You and Taleb, we just become... Mono the MMA of Bitcoin, if you will, to to quote Bitcoin is Venice. We don't have anything to debate other than whether or not he's full of shit. Like we actually, this is a funny thing about not just that ridiculously long. It's not even an essay; it's like a book at this point. I should probably publish it as a book, uh, but not just about that. But like, what is even said within that is, you know, the very first part. And the reason it's called what it is is that I actually think his books are really good. I recommend them. Like they're very entertaining. I've read they're a few of them as well. They're great. We mm -hmm. don't really disagree about actual facts, other than Bitcoin, I guess. Right? We quite strongly disagree about that. We disagree about how much of an asshole he is. That's my. That is my issue. Like that's it. I don't <laughs> know a, how you even have that argument. He's a fourth degree black belt asshole. I'd say, especially <laughs> yeah. after he attacked Lynn Alden last year, the way he did, like oh, fuck that, was that guy. Yeah, yeah. I um, we've got a special, a near and dear heart place in our heart for Lynn. And yeah. when we see people oh, attack she's, Lynn, she's, yeah, she's we want to beat the shit out yeah. of him. You cross Lynn Alden, you're dead to us, Alan. Yeah, I actually have quite a funny story about this, by the way. I don't know if you're <laughs> if you're aware of this. I, I may be the only person who's aware of this because I track this stuff so closely. But right after this happened, like maybe days after this happened, Lynn Alden went on uh, what Bitcoin did. With Peter McCormack and <laughs> Peter McCormack referenced, I don't think it was even uh, the Talib one. He referenced something else that I had written and uh, and asked Lynn Alden and like didn't cut this from the interview. Asked Lynn Alden if she knew who I was and she's like, no. <laughs> no idea. No idea. Yeah. And Peter was like, oh. But he asked it in like, we should really find the recording of this because he asked it in a way that he was sure she was going to say yes and then they'd have a talk about yeah. the thing that he was referencing. Yeah. She's just like, that's the no. moment you knew you haven't made it yet. It just it dawned on you. <laughs> so I've, I've since met her. Uh, I mean, we like we chat. I, I don't actually even remember how. It must have been quite a long time ago because we now follow each other. We've chatted a few times. I met her in real life, and I think it's going to become a thing that I just remind her of this because that was the first thing I said to her. I was like, do you remember this happening? Because I remember this. I was wounded by this. It hasn't let go of you yeah, since that happened. Yeah. She's the kingmaker in Bitcoin, Lynn Alden. For sure. Oh, she's she's amazing. We hear you said something before we click record about us interrupting a Bulgarian TV show. You don't oh, really it sounds no. like you don't really feel like being here. You'd rather be watching this Bulgarian TV show. Clue us in on what we yeah, interrupted what here. I mean, I was I did come here, to be fair, right? Like I pulled myself away. And also I know I can go and watch it like after the fact. It's sort of we have this 
like TiVo recording thingy on the on the Bulgarian TV package that we have. Dude, they're years um, ahead of us, Dan. So I will yeah. I will watch it back as soon as we're done here. Oh yeah, it's amazing. It's um I don't even know how to direct people to find it because it's got I mean it's, the name is Bulgarian. It's called Irina Volyata. And it's I can't even write it. Maybe I'll tweet it, I don't know, but it's in Cyrillic. But it's basically like it's it's similar to Survivor. It's it, I think they've obviously based it on that, but it's like Survivor on crack. It's it's Survivor to the nth degree. It's just amazing. It's like everything about Survivor is just made hilariously more complicated for no reason. And kind of the the shtick with it, which I don't even know if they if this is intended to be funny or not, but I find it hilarious, is that the games just never end. They, like the games will go on for an hour and a half and it's like it's basically if you took like five survivor games and stitched them together and like when you finish one you then go on to the next one and then you finish that when you go to the next one and it goes across like three four commercial breaks in the middle of the one game and you like forget what even happened an hour ago oh it's amazing so you're gonna be watching this till like the middle of the night because it's what is it's nine something your time let's say we go for an hour couple more drinks then the show till three or four and there you go i highly recommend if if your audience has any way of finding this they absolutely should and like i intend to as well so i'm leaving here in a couple of days i'm going to the u.s for a week and then i'm going back to where i live in the uk i'm streaming this like i need to keep up i'm invested now i have my favorite (laughs) like (laughs) what's the name of the show again it's it's called igri navoljata it translates as games of will all right all right the people Check actually pass away, like people die. It's, I'm imagining like a cross between Saw and Survivor where people lose. That's not bad, and, actually. Yeah, they. Yeah. Well, so every now and then the, the, it's interesting you bring this up because the, the games are like weirdly dangerous. And <laughs> most of the time it's OK because the players are just like quite cautious about it because you know, they don't want to die or break a leg or whatever. But every now and then something actually quite serious will happen and they stop the game and like medics come on. And but they they show all of that too. It's like really immersive. And, but because you like care about the characters so much, well, they're, they're not characters exactly. The, the contestants they are real people, right? <laughs> because you care about them so much. Like, oh shit! What's his face got hurt? Like guys, come and look at this. See if he's going to be okay. See if, see if he can finish the game. That's the funniest part. They always finish the game. Like the reason that they show you this and that they pause it is so they can like put a bandage on his head or whatever, so he can then finish the game. <laughs> Wow. Slow slip into basically uh, just full-blown gladiatorial games. (laughs) This is the beginning of it. Love it. Bread and circus, folks. Alan, tell us about yourself. Introduce yourself to our audience as you are a first-time guest here. Introduce myself. Um, You might need to guide me a bit because there's like lots of different ways I can do that. I mean, I'm Alan. Um, I uh, am a Bitcoiner, I guess. Um, and I, I've spent most of my life in Scotland, but going to the US a lot to see family. Went to school here, obviously went to, well, not here, I'm in Bulgaria and I went to school there. <laughs> uh, went to college there, got a job straight out of college uh, in finance uh, in Edinburgh. I've lived there ever since, but basically the, I, we probably will want to go into this in a little bit, so I won't, I'll be concise now, but the entire time in my career in investment management, I was kind of um, shifting it slowly bit by bit towards being more about Bitcoin <laughs> from, from a starting point of nothing at all. And, and to be completely honest, from a starting point, you know, when I, when I graduated and first took the job in 2015, I didn't really know that much anyway. I was kind of, you know, I had bought some at that point, but it was very early on in my journey, so I, I wouldn't really have had much to contribute anyway. But then by the time I 
left, I guess this is maybe the most interesting thing now is that in March, I left to start a Bitcoin business. So I became so thoroughly orange pilled, not just personally, but professionally as well, that I'm now doing it full time. So 2015 roundabouts is when you started getting really interested buying some Bitcoin. Uh, It was a very slow, like I've talked about this before. I don't really have a very interesting like origin story. There was no, you know, light bulb moment or eureka moment or anything. It just, it took a really long time. It was just a very slow burn. I think I actually got into Bitcoin when I was still a student. So that it would have been, see, I don't even remember exactly the, the starting date or anything. It would have been either 2013 or 2014. Um, I, <laughs> what I like to say is quite fun looking back on it, given that it like seems to have worked out reasonably well that I didn't buy any at the time because I was very, very poor as a, as a student. I had, uh, not only did I have no money, I had a large amount of negative money. Uh, when I got a job, like a real job, I fixed that, uh, bought some Bitcoin and that, and which is, which is actually super important. Like I shouldn't, um, make too much light of that because I'm sure you guys are familiar. I'm sure most of your audience is familiar that you do need to own it to really start to get it. Like it's not something you can Mm -hmm. process entirely intellectually. Um, you can have it explained to you as much as you want or as is available, but until you actually own it, until you go through a cycle, you don't really know. Um, and so I'd say it was probably more like 2018 or 2019 when I really started to get into it, which was actually linked to work as well. And there is a more involved backstory here. I can, I can go into if you want. Um, but that was also related to why I got on Twitter in the first place. I've actually, I've had Twitter for what's probably a surprisingly short time for like people who are in Bitcoin or who are like fairly prominent in Bitcoin. Um, I only got it in, I believe it was February or February or March of 2019. But it was specifically because, like, I got Twitter for Bitcoin, basically. Like, I obviously knew what it was, and I just decided not to. Specifically to fuck with Taleb was the original. <laughs> no, I liked him then, actually. I, I for, for a decent amount of my Twitter career, I was, like, you know, buddying up to him, as all his, you know, army of sycophants do. That little did I know. <laughs> Eventually, that was, that was, like, two years later. That was, or was it, no, it, was, it was one year later. I finally snapped on him. Um you know, I, I, I liked him for a long time. I think everybody liked him for a long time, as far as I know. I don't think anyone's like, it takes a while to like fully grasp why you need to be Taleb pilled, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I like your statement a second ago about you need to own it to understand it. Oh, and I might go yeah, even yeah. one step further and say, you need to custody it, move it, and have an understanding for what you've just done, right? That's true. For a lot That's of true. first world Westerners moving Bitcoin, they're like, it looks like Venmo. When you actually digest what that means, where it can be done, and how novel Mm. it is for humanity, that's when it really starts to click. No, I I love that you said that. And like, I I remember, so it's funny, you know, I said before, I don't really remember when I first encountered Bitcoin, but I so clearly remember when I first had that experience, exactly the experience you described. Because, you know, like I said, slow burn wasn't as into it as I probably should have been. I mean, probably everybody feels that way, but... Yep. I, I think I first would have bought some in either 2015 or 2016, but was just a lazy noob, right? It was all on Coinbase. I didn't really think about it. I was, I was DCAing, which was kind of nice. I'm glad I found out about that. Um, but I remember when I first started to learn more about exactly kind of things you're talking about, not just custody, but sort of everything, everything that goes along with the, you know, the responsibility of, of owning it and securing it properly. Um, taking it off the exchange, but then also it's just kind of a weird personal circumstance that like 
made this experience, I think, hit home even more that I was in. So I've, I've lived in Edinburgh in, in the UK for a long time, but I was in the US at the time for work. I, I think it was unrelated, actually. I don't think it even had anything to do with Bitcoin. I just happened to be in the US um, when I first sent myself at that point, you know, non-custodied Bitcoin, which like really made it feel because, you know, it was sort of I guess in, in like literal terms, it is kind of meaningless, but in terms of where I was, you know, it yeah. felt like, oh, I've just sent this across the world. I know it's to me, but still it's like the infrastructure that made this happen is like thousands of miles away. And the amount I've sent was significant. And now it's like literally on my phone. This is, this is important. And nobody's in control. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's yeah. a complete mind fuck when you, when you yeah, first experience it this, it really it is. is. It's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, everybody should have that. Like it's yeah, it, for sure. It's, it really is. It's, um, I don't want to be too kind of, I don't know, almost religious about it. Or maybe some people do experience this religiously. I don't know, but it's, it's a profound experience. Like if you've never, if you've never encountered anything like that before and, it, and it's, yeah. I think it helps if it is like a significant sum as well, right? You're not just like, pissing about with lightning or something it's like that's know, what i was just gonna say it. lightning brings another layer to that and when you see it happen not only across the world but instantly to your friend across the mm. ocean somewhere in europe like it's it's completely insane yeah so bitcoin is venice is the that your medium articles where we both sort of first encountered your ideas amazing article Thanks that's now much. a book both are fantastic yeah. let's start from the top with that uh, when did that idea originate for you? What did and does Venice embody? And then how does it relate to how you see Bitcoin? Huge question, but for people listening that haven't read oh, it and, sure. and don't know what that means, what does that mean to say that Bitcoin is Venice? Oh. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, that's that's kind of a fun Summarize the book in three minutes and then we'll move on. <laughs> Just say well, buy the book and we'll move on like to the next question. One, two sentences or something like that. So yeah, <laughs> Bitcoin is Venice. I can get out of the way quite quickly and then get into the more... Um, I don't know, meaningful stuff, I guess. The The title is in reference to uh, what I thought were some quite, um, not really serious, but cute and interesting comparisons between Bitcoin and more medieval Venice, but you know, for the sake of it being like nice rhetoric, just Bitcoin is, Bitcoin is medieval Venice or early Renaissance Venice would have, would have made more sense, I guess. But yeah, just to, to, to give an idea of what some of these are. So the idea that uh, both are very, very easy to defend um, and hence very, very hard to attack. Um, and that that, I think, directly lends itself to being a kind of a foundation for um, the flourishing of, of not just commerce, I guess, but kind of novel commercial institutions mm. that this sort of enforced... Um, peace and voluntarism and I, I guess kind of entangled as well with the idea that you know they are commercial hubs it's not just a political point it's an economic point as well um in the case of venice was enormously important to contributing to the the start of the renaissance like that's where that it tends to be more associated with florence but the the century or two of surplus wealth creation that actually then created the time basically for people to afford to hire pursuits uh is is 
arguably more dependent on Venice than it was in Florence. And then, you know, hopefully, obviously what I'm going for with the analogy is that Bitcoin will allow something similar. Um, mm -hmm. But even th there's, there's other, there's other stuff as well. Like there's um, the fact that the, the political system in, in early Renaissance Venice was uh, like bizarrely, almost comically complicated mm -hmm. in a way that made it very difficult to change things. And like, like no one really understood exactly how you would go about changing something unless basically everybody agreed that it ought to be changed. That's obviously kind of a fun, fun comparison to Bitcoin as well. So yeah, there's, there's stuff like that, but the, um, yeah, I, I'd go a step further that in terms of, um, the article maybe being a bit too kind of clever for its own good, or at least the idea of it, that the, the point of picking that as like a nice metaphor for, for how to think about Bitcoin, but, but like a completely non-serious one, obviously, you know, it's, I'm, I'm not claiming that it's, um, yeah, it's not a it's not like a definition in any helpful way. It's just kind of a, a, a romantic idea, uh, but was to then introduce a whole bunch of other equally non-serious romantic ideas um, about just sort of fun ways to think about Bitcoin. So the way that that article is structured, just if the um, the audience hasn't read it, is that um, the, every subsection is you know claiming Bitcoin is something else, and then kind of diving into what that metaphor was. So um, I should know this off the top of my head. <laughs> I think it was. Um, uh, Bitcoin is Ariadne, the idea there being, uh, so Ariadne is um, the Greek, I don't think a goddess, I think a demi-goddess, if I remember correctly, um, but who laid the thread for ooh, uh, Theseus to escape the labyrinth rather than have to fight the Minotaur. And so the idea is it's, you know, it's the thread that lets you escape. You don't need to fight, you can just leave. Mm -hmm. Um then oh, what was the next one? Bitcoin is gravity. That's easier to explain. <laughs> that's, uh, that's just that it sucks all value into its orbit. Um, Bitcoin is, ooh, what was the next one? Bitcoin is halal, mm. um, which I've since explored a bit more. We might want to get into that later on, um, but explaining it's um, seemingly fortuitous, kind of coincidental connection to Islamic economics. Um, whoa, what came after that? Bitcoin is logos so it's speech i think that's kind of well understood now uh bitcoin is techni so it just works i think i chat on taleb there too i think he gets a mention <laughs> it's like he's he's one of these people who just you know nitpicks some perceived flaw in it but like doesn't care that it, it actually works like that's that's probably the most interesting thing about it um and then bitcoin is venice um, so that, that was kind of the idea with what, what the name is. Um, I've caused a lot of trouble for myself by calling that because I need to, I need to explain this all the time. Like this doesn't really mean anything. Like, don't worry about it. It's more just, <laughs> it's more just to get you to think about how interestingly new this is. Yeah. It also flows really well too. Just thinking about like, when I hear that name, it makes me think about humanity reaching from medieval times into the Renaissance yeah. and like, yeah. you know, everything getting feudalism from there. Exactly. So for that reason, it's just good in itself. In the book, did you, your co-author was Sasha, right? Yes. Uh, who wrote the MMA section? Oh, that's all Sasha. Yeah. yeah. And okay. I'm, I'm really glad that he did that because there's, there's kind of an involved backstory there in that weirdly, well, if you've read the book weirdly, if you haven't, this won't mean anything, but <laughs> weirdly that was like as a kernel of an idea that had probably gestated for like by far the longest he, he'd been talking about this for like 
five years, something like that. But, but I, I guess a much simpler version of it. So just the idea that MMA is a great metaphor for capitalism. Um, and for about three years, I'd been telling him to write this down. <laughs> Right. And he just he just never did it. But he, we kept teasing it out in conversation. We kept like finding new directions. You could pull this in. Um, and basically the fact of writing the book was like the excuse for him to finally write it down. <laughs> but I don't know, but it's all him. He's he's very into uh, into MMA. I I've I've actually more than once now on a on like a podcast interview been asked about this, but where he's also there and I'm just like, I don't know what Sasha, you like I don't I don't really fight. That's your thing. A <laughs> lot of good sections of the book. That This section's awesome. We had to bring it up. Shout out to Frank and Jay, two guys we work with that do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Oh, they'll have liked it. Do you know if they've read it? They haven't read it yet, but oh, they're going to need to. Um, sweet. It basically, the to, to summarize the section, for those that haven't read it, it's basically that there's tons of it, and I'm going to butcher this for people that actually study these disciplines. So I apologize, but there's, I didn't even write it. So I, I can't help. Sorry. Tons of different fighting disciplines that didn't really collide until the 20th century. And when they did, we learned out quick that some of them were total hollow bullshit. And some of them actually worked based on who was kicking whose ass and mm. mixed martial arts was kind of an arena, an environment for the sharpening of actual praxis mm. to, to play out. And, if I remember the section right, Brazilian jiu-jitsu holds up insanely well. Basically, I think so. Yeah, I think the I think the idea is uh, Sasha will end up correcting me for this offline, I'm sure. But that if you're on your feet, uh, Thai kickboxing is the best. Like we just know that now because of mm -hmm. MMA. But when you get on the ground, Brazil, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is the best. But but yeah, like you're right. Nobody knew that. Because it, right. it had never been tested before. It is. It's we, just wild to me that after reading that, I didn't know that I, you just assume that fighting styles have, you know, come in cannot, contact with each other over the years, but apparently not. It's just nuts that that really hasn't happened until within 30 to 40 years. Yeah. If ago. I understand Brazilian Jiu Jitsu right, it's basically take people to the ground ASAP. So basically what's <laughs> happening right now is Bitcoin's taking fiat to the ground and we're going to see who's got the best ground game. We have these, uh, one of these gentlemen we mentioned, Jay, who, who's a uh, constantly in the gym doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu has been, uh, there's been some bouts with, uh, Jim, another buddy of ours, much larger, uh, on paper, much stronger, I think Jay's progressing. I, Josh, could we say that Jim is fiat and Jay is Bitcoin, and we're going to find out who prevails? Ooh, that's a in the pretty long aggressive run? stance to take. I think I'll I'll forego that, but we will video the fight and we'll put it on our uh, we'll put it on our website for everyone to enjoy. If, if you do this, by the way, you got to get costumes for them. Jim is not fiat, by the way. Jim's a great yeah. guy, ardent Bitcoiner. If he dies, the best guys I he know. dies. <laughs> But that is basically the premise, and this comes through uh, back to the Venice thing. If you could just elaborate on this idea of Bitcoin works, why does it work despite it being sort of counterintuitive? And then how does it maybe foster an environment where it's going to be allowed to be in competition that forms of money haven't undergone yet? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, this is exactly why I was so pleased. I sort of, I don't want to say I tricked Sasha exactly, but I, I eventually convinced him to actually write this down because... We, I mean, I, I, I'm probably not the one to say this, but I, I would like to think that we then sort of 
we worked that idea into the rest of the book as about as much as we could, I think, because I was just really excited by like actually having it out. And that's why we put it first as well, because I think it's a really important principle that that you can't. Um, and I, it also, I should say as well, before I even say what it is, that this definitely goes well beyond MMA. It's just that MMA is a, a very accessible uh, explanation of this far deeper principle i think that definitely you know it applies to economics it's it it gives you insights into bitcoin but that there are many many areas of what would you even call it human action i guess if you want to be really pretentious i don't know social affairs something like that Uh, any any social situation with more than one person where you know they're they're interacting right where you simply can't know what is going to happen until you do it you can't right. work it out on paper, which also importantly means, I wouldn't say you can't exactly, but it, it's probably inadvisable to design it before it's happened, right? To tell everybody how something will work and tell them to you know, behave according to whatever you've come up with and thinking that that will lead to the best outcome. Basically, because there's some element of uncertainty, there's some element of probably human decision-making, I think is a more important point that that's that's a nice connection i guess between mma and economics everything else we talk about you know culture even um that human decision making is inherently unpredictable and especially when i think the really nice thing about mma the way this uh, one of the reasons this works really really well is that it's not just one person unpredictably making decisions it's it's two but i think more importantly more than one right that's that's actually maybe the like the the thing that's worth highlighting more because it forces them to react to one another. And then the, the dynamics, if you want to call it that just get so complex that you, you can't possibly uh, model it. Let's say if you want to return to that kind of way of thinking about designing some kind of system top down mm-hmm. um, and MMA works really well to describe this because I think it's just intuitively obvious to any, I don't think you even really need to like be that. And like, I'm not that into MMA, for example, but you need to you've had like any experience whatsoever with, probably just sport or like if you've ever been in a fight i don't know like you 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 just yeah. can't predict the well i mean you can say like oh i think that guy's gonna win but there's no way you can say what is going to happen you know in what order in the way that you could with anything that's remotely scientific or like it's the old mike tyson quote everyone's got a plan yeah. they get punched <laughs> well, in the that's face a, right that's an angle. i forget exactly. where it's probably in chapter one i'm pretty sure it's you know we we, we cite him as uh i think we call him a noted risk theorist we say, as noted risk theorist Mike Tyson, aptly put it, <laughs> everyone has risk a plan until they get punched in the face. Um, yeah, so I, like, I, I just love that that works so well because it's, I think it's a nice contrast to the way, and I mean, I don't, obviously don't mean to be like insulting to anyone else who's kind of tried to explain this, including myself, because I've been in this position too, but explaining the same thing in the realm of economics is maybe even the, the simplest one, but you know, we then take it upon ourselves to try and apply this to kind of various aspects of culture as well. I think that's far less intuitive. And I think just for like the average person for like, you know, the, the layman who maybe doesn't even know anything about Bitcoin, the idea of top down design may be far more appealing to them there. And they, they don't, it's, it's not as immediately obvious why it's nonsensical. Whereas in MMA, it just completely is. It's, it's, yeah. uh, I, I just love it. I'm, I'm so glad it's we got evolution. So that's what we started with. It, yeah, it evolutionary kind of, is a good word, Josh. I like that I, word. I think that's exactly. I mean, reading that MMA chapter, that's kind of like what jujitsu was. It was 
just evolution of people fighting oh, yeah. each other, yeah, kicking yeah, each other's absolutely. asses and yeah. eventually figuring out which method was best over and yeah. over and over. You know, it was a procreation of MMA throughout the years. Yeah, which is which is a really important concept. I mean, I, I wish I, unlike with all the different sections of Bitcoin is Venice, I actually don't have all of this memorized, unfortunately, but there's like a list of uh, uh, contrasts, I guess, like different sort of attitudes that you can apply to this stuff that we we planted in chapter one in the MMA chapter, and then we refer back to a lot. Um, and yeah, experimentation uh, versus design is a really important one. And then evolution, I, for, ah, I forget what we contrasted with, but the idea of evolution is extremely important. Um, mm -hmm. It's again, it's maybe more obvious than MMA because it's like, uh, you know, if you, if you don't, uh, if, if, if something proves to be superior and you're coming up against it, you need to adapt or you just will lose. But it's a very apt and healthy way to think about what ought to happen in economics as For well. Sure. Right? That, and the, I, I don't want to beat this to death, but that's where I was going to go with this next. Ah, idea, which is, well done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Aikido, which was that Japanese art that nobody had ever, you know, it was basically this, you know, nobody gets to choose it or any other fighting style that have to, mm -hmm. they have to fight this method against each other. It, it reminds me a lot of this Keynesian economic system that we have for the last 50 to 80 years where these ideas are, you know, basically a religious idea where mm -hmm. we, we just follow them rigidly. We don't deviate. Yeah. We don't allow this to compete against other ideas. There are no other ideas in university. This is the only way economics works. And, you know, there are alternatives, Austrian school and a few others, but they just simply don't get taught this. So Keynesianism yeah. doesn't get to fight a battle. It just fights yeah. itself over and over. Right. And there's no improvement. Mm. A, a comment and then a question on the back of it. Cause I think for someone that hasn't read it, they could be like, what the fuck are you guys talking about here? How, how is this like MMA? There's two things that need to happen for a fighting style or an economic system or a form of money to work. First of all, it needs to be allowed to fight. So that mm -hmm. was kind of mm -hmm. a lot of the MMA idea is a culture through MMA allowed fighting styles to collide. You could say in a sense, because Bitcoin's built on the internet and it's decentralized, global and open source, that's the mat, so to speak, uh, that allows the the fight to, to ensue, right? Is its ability to be, as we call it on this show, a slippery hog and proliferate on the low ground, <laughs> right? Wherever. But then number two, it needs to kick ass. It, it, it needs a place to fight yeah. and then it needs to kick ass. Why, it, it, for put yourself back in the old gig, some, some dude... Some institutional investor, peer of yours comes up, thinks Bitcoin's a total clown show. Exp what is, where would you go first in explaining why you think hmm. Bitcoin is going to kick ass? Why it's going to take that bullshit fighting style to the yeah. floor and, and get the tap? I'm, I'm not sure that there's, I don't think there's a simple answer to that, but I don't mean to be like copping out from answering the question, but I, I think what this comes to at least for me and i'm kind of thinking back on you know my experiences of trying to convince people of this is that it is an incredibly complicated topic <laughs> right like it touches on it is remarkable on how many different disciplines it touches on and so i i don't think there is an answer kind of completely in general because i think it would depend on you know what their particular misunderstanding was i think that's kind of the annoying flip side of it right that because it is because it is so interdisciplinary, because it touches on, and to some extent requires, you know, mastery of exactly, but considerable knowledge of many, many different disciplines. There are that many reasons, bad reasons that, 
people can find to dislike it. And so I think you, you just have to identify whichever one it is. I mean, I could probably come up with like five, maybe 10 right now that are all totally distinct from one another, yeah. right. but are like perfectly plausible reasons somebody could dislike it on first contact. Right. And you also need to know the person you're talking to because whatever is their yeah, you know, yeah. interest du jour, there's probably an angle to explain it to them, you know, using the anecdote that goes along with whatever they're interested in. Mm -hmm. What was um, most compelling for you at first? Oh yeah, that's that's a good question. I honestly this is this is like part of the whole it was quite a slow burn. My story is all that interesting. Um but I I I'm really or was really, really lucky in the background that I had at the time when I first encountered it. And and like I'm I'm not sort of downplaying this or, or, or joking about this in the slightest. Like I could I could very easily like this could very easily just pass me by and you know I find out about it five ten years later whatever um so there was a couple of things so at the time so I mentioned before right I was a student when I first encountered it I was an, an undergrad and I was studying math and philosophy and both of them are very very useful to basically I mean the way I like to describe this I, I I'm not at all meaning to give the impression that like I just got it immediately because there's this I, I always like to cite I think we put it in the so either in chapter one, it might even be in the introduction of Bitcoin to Venice, the James and Lop article, you know, nobody understands Bitcoin and that's okay, right? So I, I adhere to that quite strongly. I don't understand it. That's okay. So I'm not meaning to say I understood it right away, but it was really important that I didn't dismiss it right away, which I think is the far, far more common reaction. So uh, studying math, studying philosophy, both very helpful. Um, I also had been running a business, which actually was terrible. Like I didn't make any money from this, but it was more the, it's like the experience that counts, right? It's like, it was good on my CV rather than for actually, you know, profiting or getting any kind of return from it. Um, but yeah, so I've been running a business and then also it's kind of adjacent to that, uh, cause it's kind of behavioral, kind of academic. I was reasonably well-versed in Austrian economics as well. Um, and then the final thing too, is that the only kind of semi-serious job I'd ever had. So, I, you know, I mentioned before, it's kind of stitching all of this together. Uh, still a student at the time, so I hadn't graduated, taken on an actual full-time job. Done a bunch of jobs while I was in uni that were just like minimum wage and like flipping burgers and that kind of thing. But the only sort of serious one I'd had was as, um, as a software engineer. Um, and so again, that was, you know, very, very, so I, I had all of this, right? And I feel like it was just sort of, just above the threshold to be like, oh, maybe this isn't stupid. Maybe I should, maybe I should be humble here and like actually look into this a bit more. Yeah, I'm gonna reach back. <laughs> I promise this is the last time we're gonna talk about fighting. We'll move on from. Oh, just talking about but this is just this is just too easy. So, you allude to the fact in Bitcoin is Venice that Bitcoin could fail. So let's. Mm. Can you ruminate a bit on like what is a scenario where Bitcoin is just getting its yeah, ass yeah. just kicked in, choked out on the mat? What are some scenarios where you think that's a even mm. slight likelihood? And yeah, just fill us in on what your opinion is on that. So I, I honestly, I don't think I have any original thoughts on this. Um, I, I do. There are a couple of ideas I find interesting, but I'm just saying that to make sure I you know, we'll make sure Taleb's aware people, that right? you got no original ideas on this. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <on> this. <laughs> uh, well, on a lot of things. I don't know. There, there's a lot of references in that book. Um, no, there's, there's two that I think I find the most compelling. And so they're, they're due to, uh, Joe Kelly and Ben Hunt, who I think most of Bitcoin. Twitter I like what Ben like. Hunt has to say quite a bit. Yeah. I think I'll be familiar with them. I, I mean, I, I like both of them. I get on with both of them as well. I've talked to them about these. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't want to get too much into Joe Kelly's because he has written 
extensively about it and i'll end up just like having to pull up the article and just like read the whole thing um but i i think hopefully he would approve of me summarizing it this way that um i think in the very long run there is uh enough uncertainty about bitcoin's ongoing security to be worth worrying about where i disagree with him is that and i think he presents it a little bit too rhetorically for my liking i mean he's doing that to get people to read it in the first place so that's fine but um i think he sees it as definitely an issue like there's no way this is avoidable this is going to be a disaster um whereas my view is more like it, it actually to be honest kind of ties in with some of the themes of bitcoin in venice uh, bitcoin is venice that it's he might be right but it's basically unknowable like we we won't know for another 30 years 50 i like i don't even know how long it'll be can until you we know. enumerate on that a little yeah, bit what's I'm his curious, primary concern is it, is it the amount of hash power he's concerned about or is it more of the cryptography oh, it's how it's, solid it's, it's, it is? it's the same as it's it's just like a more kind of dramatized version of um the way uh, peter todd articulates it as well um the the fact of the declining subsidy means that it ah. will just become exponentially easier to attack and he obviously acknowledges that okay well what if the price goes up and like there's i think paul stortz has has written on this quite eloquently as well that it really only makes sense to think of it in dollar terms at least until energy itself is priced natively in bitcoin right that you know you even if you acknowledge for appreciation as money it will eventually be fully monetized for but sure the subsidy will keep coming down so you can't escape this forever like you can't monetize your way out of it right i think that's his argument and then but he goes into much much more detail which i don't think is really worth it now about exactly how dangerous this is and how it might be exploited in particular by a state actor for whom cost is not really an issue um so yeah so that that's kind of roughly his outline. and i agree that this is worth worrying about where i disagree with him is that i think he thinks this will happen like there will come a point where something needs to be done about this my attitude is we're so early with this we have absolutely no idea how people are going to use it and hence even i mean i could for example say something like it'll be fine because it'll all be lightning opens and closes but even that i think is kind of the misrepresenting the deeper uncertainty of my you know right. how i think it is intellectually honest to think about it because I don't even know if that's what's going to happen. Like maybe there's some other scaling mechanism, you know, or maybe we end up using lightning in a way that doesn't require that much activity. Maybe there's something, actually maybe it's kind of both where it's like, there's some other way of scaling that prices out lightning. Like I basically, I just don't know. Yeah. But I know enough about why I don't know to think that you don't need to be as fatalistic as it, as, as Joe is about this. Like we can probably not think about this for a, 30 more years and it that will be fine like we should focus on innovating such that we fill mm. up the blocks right like we need to fill up blocks not worrying about empty blocks agreed and it, it's like everything else in bitcoin it's a zero or one event like there is mm. either this is going to work or it isn't and yeah. you know yeah, it yeah. seems to have been and i i think satoshi maybe understood early on that this is either going to work or it simply isn't so mm. i'm going to engineer this you know to the best of my ability but yeah. There's no way, I mean, it's hard to think that Satoshi could have thought that far ahead that like this would be a problem 40 years from now. 
or I, I guess be so multidisciplinary <laughs> that he would have predicted so many of these problems. There's, there's got to be a few things that, you know, maybe just slipped. I mean, I, well, even that's like, I think a bit too certain, like that, it, that implies it is a problem. I'm not sure it's a problem. No, I'm and not yeah. saying it is, but it, it <laughs> yeah. certainly could be. But if it totally yeah. monetizes, it seems like the, it would make sense that the value would be so high. Yeah. That it would still be able to secure itself, so, which is why I'm saying it's either a fully fail or fully work situation. Yeah, yeah. Sure. There yeah, is yeah. no middle ground. It makes yeah. me think of a section in Bitcoin is Venice where basically, Alan, you say size matters um, in that like uh, you, if you if you I, have, I don't remember saying that. <laughs> it should have been a full chapter. Yeah. Point that page out to us. Maybe I'll write another Bitcoin magazine article, Josh, titled Size Matters. My, li- my wife's not reading that. <laughs> Basically, the idea here is, though, and tell me if you guys disagree. I don't think you will. I don't size doesn't matter. Value, liquidity, usership, development on the network. If they're in a steady, perpetual decline, and they, you know, taper off into obscurity, uh, Bitcoin's incredibly vulnerable. Like the bigger Bitcoin gets, the yeah. more secure yeah. it gets in a lot of ways. And so, yeah, we're expecting volatility. We're going to have downs, catastrophic downs, ups, all that. But if we zoom out on, let's say, a 10, 20 year time horizon, and involvement and value accrual of the network is on a perpetual decline, it's going to be less secure. It's going to be less robust. It's going to be less usable. It's going to have less liquidity. This is just a fact. I know there's a lot of Bitcoiners that are like, I don't care if it goes to $400 and stays there forever. I'm all good. It's like, well, Bitcoin's not as strong. Mm -hmm. If it does that, it's a sign that it's not working. Yeah. No, I I, I completely agree with that. And and actually, I think that feeds quite nicely into, into Joe's argument too, that in, in one of the, I think he has three different posts on this, if I remember correctly. Um, and in one of them, he does actually go into the, the mechanics of how, he probably just says China, to be honest, but like <laughs> a state actor uh, could attack this. And I think, I don't actually remember if he says this or if this is just something that we've chatted about, but part of the problem is definitely, uh, well, how, how, describe it as something like, I don't know, notoriety almost, that this was okay when nobody knew what it was right and and there's even the, there's the the sort of somewhat legendary satoshi post about this in in bitcoin talk when they're they're discussing um getting wikileaks on bitcoin do you guys remember this when I've, not like when it i've happened, read about this i wasn't around yeah. back then so yeah. when yeah it wasn't me neither but um when uh wikileaks got kicked off like paypal mastercard visa blah 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 um, there was a chat in in Bitcoin yeah, talk about okay, well, should we on like onboard them, which wasn't really a thing. <laughs> there was no like you know uh, merchant processing or anything, but you know should we like reach out and get them to do this? And and so I don't remember it verbatim, but Satoshi's response was basically like, no, this is a terrible idea because we don't need like it's two years old or something at this point. We yeah, don't, we don't need want the, the attention. Um, so with that in mind, I think there is an element of that at play, which. I, now I'm thinking about it. I don't mean to keep referencing Talib annoyingly, but he's, I mean, he does, he has a lot of good sayings, right? So it's almost like anti Lindy in, in a, in a weird way that like the longer it goes on, the more vulnerable, vulnerable it gets for this specific reason. I mean, obviously for other reasons, you would argue it gets stronger and stronger and it's like anti-fragile, blah, 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 to use another annoying Talibism. But in the sense that it's probably now got to a point where at least everybody knows where it is. I guess maybe there is a further stage of like, 
not only do they know what it is, but they take it seriously. Maybe there's, you know, there's a leap there that we haven't actually made yet. But I think that ties in with your point, Dan, about how at, you know, at certain stages of its natural adversaries knowing enough about it, it it does actually become unacceptable for the price to go too low. And well, more is for the security to go too low, but the only good gauge of that is for the price to go too low. Size matters. Size matters, yeah. Um, And price matters. Yeah. You, uh, along this vein, uh, you talk about Bitcoin being gravitational. We like to talk about Bitcoin becoming engorged. Um, why uh, that's going to be part two of my article series, Bitcoin engorgement. Bitcoin is, and then some vaguely sexual (laughs) reference. Asexual. Bitcoin is size. Bitcoin is engorged. Predator. It's an asexual predator. That's a, a, we, we find our episode. We find our episode title. There it is. It is. Asexual predator. I think it's um, good. So speaking of seriously, speaking of size and speaking it of engorgement, <laughs> why why is why is it gravitational? Why do you think it's going to suck in tons of value, tons of use yeah. cases? Big part of your article, start us from ground zero there. Sure. Um, so I think this is actually more pointing to a kind of a flaw in. Not even just fiat money, but the the way that the investment universe has responded to the incentives, I guess, that are that are pushed upon it by by fiat money. It's not really so much about fiat itself. It's more uh, what you know asset classes is it poised to disrupt, I guess. And and what I'm pointing out there is basically that almost every asset well actually probably every asset class is more a question of like to what degree is this true um every major investable asset class has taken on some role of monetization because Mm. you 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 can't save with money it just doesn't work and so these other you know whether it's it could be a whole range of things it could be like commodities it could be gold people obviously talk about gold a lot in relation to bitcoin um it could be real estate it could be, you know, at the higher end, you start to get to different classes of bonds and then equities as well. Um, all of them have monetized to some extent. And I think maybe even more importantly than that, all of them keep monetizing because that's that's the only way, you know, you have to stay on the treadmill, right? Like I I, I don't actually think we mentioned this in Bitcoin is Venice, but I, I have become quite fond of this analogy or as I mean, it's a bit dystopian. It's not like I, I don't like thinking about it, but I think it works quite well that it's like fiat just creates this treadmill for you where there shouldn't be one, right? You just have to constantly keep, yeah. whether it's, you know, maybe even a, a, a more obvious application is just like, if you don't own any assets in the first place, you just need to keep working. Like you can't save, you need to stay on the treadmill. Um, but I think it, you know, it applies in this context too, where investors have to stay on the asset monetization treadmill because they have no choice. And the longer they do that, the more vulnerable these asset classes get to being monetized, to be engorged um, by Bitcoin because they've moved further and further away from whatever notion of like fundamental, I don't know, you can't quite see this fundamental value. I'm doing this Mm. because it's misused a lot because you got to be careful with like, there's, there is no objective value, but you know, some, some way of valuing something more historically normal terms, almost like based on your actual perception of the value of the yield that this asset will, will give you or, 
could be a bit more like in gold and then you know art and wine and so on is even a bit more involved in that but whatever some some notion of fundamental value is being moved further and further away from and they're getting more and more vulnerable because their their valuations are making less and less sense at the same time that bitcoin's valuation is making more and more sense basically and so the closer they get the more there starts to be a real discussion in you know i don't know saying too i don't know like it's not really conspiratorial, but uh, kind of grandiose or something, but like places where significant amounts of capital are allocated. So not not the kind of thing that you and I would be doing, but, you know, pension funds, right? Or, or anybody else in that kind of position um, are forced to take both more seriously. They have to take Bitcoin more seriously because it, because, you know, just where it's got to. But they also have to take like real estate, say, less seriously because it, it doesn't make any sense anymore. Like it's just it's just nonsense. It's and the, I think specifically what we go into real estate is maybe not the best example. I think equities are probably the best example. Um, where I, I think I mentioned this before. I don't know how much detail I've gone into. I can go into a lot more now if you like. But that was my job for a long time, which I then kind of nudged towards Bitcoin. Right, was being an equity investor. Where if it gets bad enough, and I, I mean I would argue probably prior to like six months ago. I don't remember exactly when everything started going completely to shit, but. You, you end up in this weird position where you kind of have to invest, even though you know it's valued incorrectly, Yes. purely because you also know what the central bank is going to do to its valuation. Mm. So you know that it's going to keep inflating and you have an opportunity cost, right? And, and also, you know, on a, maybe even a more human level, you have a fiduciary responsibility, right? You can't, because the, the vast, this is maybe actually is going to also sound a little bit conspiratorial, but it's just kind of like yeah. true. It's just the way the world works that the vast, vast majority of capital is allocated by these means. It's not allocated by, you know, me and you, it's not individuals making these decisions, it's institutions making these decisions. And so they have a fiduciary duty to basically not say, ah, fuck it, this is all stupid. Like none of this makes sense. They have to invest. They have yeah. no choice. Like they'll go to jail if they don't do it. I mean, it never gets. They've got to vote for the least ugly girl to, to rip off one of the anecdotes you guys said in the book. It was about the beauty contest and you have to, not only are you voting for the girl you think is the best looking, yes. but you're yeah. considering what other people are you know, going to think is the best looking girl. But in this situation, yeah. you're just trying to figure out which is the least ugly, like yes. which is the least yeah, ugly really wench yeah. that could yeah. win this beauty contest. Yeah. And so, yeah, so the longer, the longer that goes on, right, the more re- I mean, but like it's it's almost weird in a way because everybody knows it's ridiculous like no, no one there no one really believes this <laughs> they just they just don't have a choice other than hopefully soon ish <laughs> bitcoin right because the more the more bitcoin monetizes on actually sensible sound principles that you know maybe we understand but we were talking about before yeah. probably most people don't until they've been around it for a while the more of a target these other things become. And so just to, to finally, finally answer the question, that's yeah. that's how it's gravity. That's how it's engorging everything. Engorging. What's your take on how Bitcoin's price has kind of maintained fairly even keeled in the last couple of weeks while equities have sold off continually? Uh, the bond I market has sold off. I think this is quite dangerous, to be honest. Like I, I gave up on not even just trying to predict but even trying to understand bitcoin's price a long long time ago because i I think it's just yeah i mean you can do it from two ways right you can do it from like the experience of trying to predict it and be like oh shit i have no idea what i'm doing um i would like to think though that going from first principles is probably more 
like encouraging. And to be fair, like this is this is kind of the point of uh, the Wittgenstein's money first essay and now chapter two, right? That there's not really any precedent for this. So I mean, it, it's a slightly different focus. It's more aimed at like dispelling bad ways of criticizing it. I think it honestly also works like dispelling bad ways of praising it too, which is like, you really need to be more humble than to think you can know how the price is going to, like, you, you don't know how, you just don't, like, just stop. You have no idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> not, not you, Josh, but one doesn't No, no, know. I understand. Believe me. And I've made the decision or the, I've made the wrong decision too many times, but I, I can tell you one thing. If I decide I should do one thing, if I completely do the opposite, it'll work out well for me. Generally, <laughs> it's all the, the emotion is the hardest part, you know? Yeah. But I mean, there's there's a lot of wisdom about that. I mean, and also, actually, you remember before I was saying the, the contrast that we highlight. So you've got like experimentation versus design um, evolution versus the one I've forgotten. <laughs> right. Um, one of the really important ones that we have is uh, heuristics versus rationality. I mean, again, I get my fingers in the camera. Rationality should really be like that, like rationality, rationality as defined by uh, Keynesian macroeconomists. Um, but th there is there are a lot of almost folksy heuristics in Bitcoin that speak to this perfectly, right? Like, you know, we mentioned DCRA, uh, DCA already, sorry, in terms of my kind of introduction to all of this and how important that was. Uh, stay humble, stack sats. Like that speaks to the same thing. Like get, yep. well, don't get wrecked. I guess you're not supposed to get wrecked, but you know, don't get wrecked. Just stay humble. Like this is, uh, it's heuristics are important. You, you can't, and actually to just to tease, to tease that out a bit more as well, this isn't exactly something that we say in the book, but we say things along these lines, and that's why we bring up this contrast as well, that the, I, I know you weren't actually saying this, Josh, but just for the sake of argument, the idea that you can like time the market, right? And you can like evaluate trends and you know whatever. I don't even know what technical analysis nonsense people actually get into, but mm -hmm. you could argue that's rational, right? Because you've like figured it out, but you haven't, just shut up, just use, just stay humble. Good yeah. advice. One thing that's a little tough, I'm, sh I'm sure you feel this too, Alan, is in the educational sphere in Bitcoin, first of all, you know, right off the bat, all three of us know we're, we have massive blind spots of our own. We're taking oh, yeah, huge yeah. shortcuts, some of them appropriate, some of them inappropriate. But there is no doubt that certain heuristics and shortcuts are directionally correct. And not everybody mm -hmm. can flip over every single stone. So like one example would be, money printer go burr, right? When you understand the architecture <laughs> yeah. of quantitative easing, you understand there's a lot more nuance and there's a lot more complicated than just the Fed sits there and rattles off a money printer. But for the average huckleberry yeah. that, that yeah. can't do the homework, doesn't have the time capacity to do the homework, that may be a directionally correct heuristic that will treat them well over the decades. It's the it's the midwit meme, right? Or meme template. Exactly it applies right. To I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> That's which is another great heuristic, by the way. That's I mean, it's yeah. maybe I don't know. It's maybe a bit more involved. That like I don't know how you distill that into you know a three word saying or anything. But like once you wrap your head around that, you're like shit. You see it everywhere, and it's really wise. Yeah, it is. The other the other thing I was gonna chime in with is. It is interesting to watch short-term price action. Like, say, this snapshot of this last week seems a little different, potentially exciting. But it is so dangerous mm. uh, training people to think that way because this yes. thing is such yeah, a yeah. wild Mustang. It's like it's like we're training m Mustang trainers. 
right? If you tell a Mustang trainer, hey, that that horse right there seems chill, right? He, you're probably good. You can mount it. He'll, you'll, he'll ride around and dance around no problem. And then they get on and get thrown off because they're expectation. Then they're not set up to be yeah. able to tame yeah. the wild beast in a sense. Like, So mm. I think that the appropriate way to introduce people is we have no fucking idea what this Mustang is going to do in the short term. We know that he's majestic. We know that he's large. We know that he's engorged and likely to engorge further, but we don't know the <laughs> timeline on that. And the best thing for you to do is just mm. turn your brain off from price because yes. the moment yeah. hope you know, is, is interjected in the space, the thing cuts off 50% or yeah. vice versa. I mean, another, another kind of obvious heuristic there is just lower your time preference. Like mm. it's a very fiat thing to check prices all the time. Yeah, <laughs> it is. But actually I, I, I do have a, a slightly more serious response to that. I mean, not that that heuristic is, isn't good. It's, it's helpful, but, um, so this is both, um, what I'm about to say is both true personally but like i also advocate other people do this so like you can you know take this on board if you if you think it's useful that i and this is true by the way this isn't just like rhetoric that i never and have never told anybody to buy bitcoin what i've told them is that they should learn about it and that i predict if they learn about it they will want to buy it themselves and I think that I don't really have exactly this in mind when I tell them that, but I think that it actually explains what you said, Dan, quite well, right? Because if you just tell them to buy it, they have no idea why they're doing that. Yep. For all they know, it's like a meme no stock or something. Yep. And then, yeah, and then they fall off the Mustang and then they hate you and they hate Mustangs. <laughs> and it's yeah. and then, like, it's the exact opposite of what you're trying to achieve. But if you tell them to like, you know, I, I, I don't know if this works exactly. I might realize halfway through it, it doesn't. But like, it's not so much you should ride that Mustang like right now because it's awesome it's like yeah you should go learn how to ride mustangs yeah. <laughs> and then maybe come back and try that one <laughs> for sure and you gotta yeah. you've got to learn that yourself yeah um the only the strong survive we could do a whole episode on that so i'm gonna pick out the part that i found the most compelling basically without going too offensive this is robust. I mean, no is one who would be offended is going to listen. So, <laughs> unless you're planning on offending me. It's like, you don't like how long it was or something. It's dense. It's robust. It's aged well. It's aged really uh, well. Even in its short lifespan, it's aged insanely well. And it's basically, this could be retitled Shitcoin Destroyer, this article. Yeah, we actually had no idea what it We were, uh, for a very long time, like the draft was called... Um, I think it was Bitcoin, not crypto. Hmm. We knew that that was kind of lame, though. That was just like yeah. a working title. But but then we were like, we we generally weren't sure, like because it wasn't. This might be hard to believe <laughs> for you guys, maybe for some of the audience. We we didn't really care about Bitcoiners reading this. No, not that we you know dismissed their. Basically, we knew they would like it, right? <laughs> like that yeah. kind of wasn't the point. the 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 point was more we wanted to write it in such a way that. Um, to be actually like quite technically precise, that that mimicked what in um, investment management is called a, a sell side initiation note. It doesn't really matter what this means in all that much detail, but it's like uh, a very long, in depth piece of writing, uh, usually on a company that has sometimes just IPO'd, like just gone public, or in some other cases, like you know, just has been kind of under the radar for a while, and then this bank usually is like we need to cover this we need to research this and so this is our big initial you know 
piece of research that just covers everything right mm. so mm -hmm. it, it and it's not to say that it was that exactly but it was written in a style that very deliberately mimicked that so that financial professionals would understand like you know it would appeal to them it would be like that was our kind of trick to clickbait almost to like get them to read it in the first place um so uh and, and then and maybe as well like we 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 were quite sure about that just given we knew like how we were going to distribute it um we were less sure but i think i think this has actually gone reasonably well but it was a lot more up in the air that um we kind of hope that people who were on the fence about crypto themselves like probably crypto people like not people who wouldn't have identified as bitcoiners would have read this and that it would have changed their mind at least a little bit yeah um, that's harder to gauge because obviously most people in that position just hate me now which is fine i guess um but yeah we we knew we knew bitcoiners would like it that that was kind of not really the point the the part that i maybe found most compelling was the everything fights for liquidity section. Mm, I'm going to mm. read a sentence and then kind of have you fill in what this, uh, what this section means, why it's significant and why it's something to look out for if you're invested in, say, a utility mm. token. Here's the sentence that I highlighted. Why would a non-monetary token need to have a non-zero holding period and hence a non-negligible value in the first place? Yeah. What does that mean? Walk our audience through how the fight for liquidity is probably flashing bright orange yeah. B. So the idea here would be uh, to, to place it in kind of a more real, I suppose, context, less less abstract. What what we're criticizing, you know, you mentioned you, the idea of a utility token before. Be a bit more precise about what that is. The, the idea there is it's, uh, uh, well, a... a token of some sort usually issued on ethereum um usually remember which one is which erc 20 uh but where what it's doing is that it is the right to purchase uh or maybe not even purchase because it's not really money but sort of trade for or claim or something to that effect uh some or other utility which is usually defined in kind of computational terms because it's designed as a smart contract right um the problem, though, is that, again, more precisely what it is we're criticizing is the sale of these as sort of quasi-securities. It's another thing we can maybe get into, like, what, what that even means, because I don't think anybody involved with this actually knows what that means, even though it's really important. But the sale of these as a way of funding whatever the business is that is then responsible for designing this and ultimately profiting from it. And you'll notice there, by the way, I'm I'm giving the maximal benefit of the doubt. It's totally plausible that this is just a scam, but you know, to be as kind of conservative as possible in making the argument and like not leave loopholes, I'm going to assume it is done in good faith, even though a lot of the time, probably most of the time it's not. Most mm -hmm. of the time the point is to print money. Um, so yeah, you have this was basically kind of like a digital gift voucher almost. And so, but which also weirdly has this speculative value, right? It's not, it's not like, Maybe gift voucher actually isn't the best analogy because gift voucher usually says the value it's supposed to represent is like you know ten dollars right. worth or twenty dollars or whatever. Whereas in this case, they they float and they again trade like securities, and that's kind of how these you know the people who issue them make a lot of money off um, unsuspecting buyers. But the problem that they then have, which actually now I think about it, is is it's really important that they're not gift vouchers because they wouldn't have this problem if they 
in some way were able to mandate that it was $10 worth of whatever the utility was, is that there's no reason for you to hold one of these, uh, as in, you know, have bought it, but not yet cashed it in, other than at exactly the moment that you want to cash it in, because it doesn't, it, it has no optionality, I guess you would say, in exactly the way that money, like real money <laughs> does. And in fact, is the point of money in the first place. So in a, like a more technical way of putting this is that it not only does it have no saleability, right? It, it, it is not generally accepted as a medium of exchange. It is designed to not be generally accepted as a medium of exchange. Yeah. It's designed to be accepted as exchange for one thing. <laughs> and so I think, um, I actually don't remember if we put this in the article or not, but I, I, I think I need to credit, is it Jimmy? So no, we didn't put it in the article because um, Big Al, who's the pseudonymous co-author, um, what I'm now remembering, uh, Jimmy Song said to Big Al when Big Al was on his podcast and was talking about it, a really good analogy is casino chips, right? Mm. You only value and therefore bother to have casino chips when you're in a casino because that's the only place that you can cash them. And actually, again, even this one isn't perfect because they have a denomination, right? It would be more like you can imagine something like, I don't know, a casino chip, which is denominated in the equity of the casino or something like it's just ridiculous. Right. With a but, price that changes constantly in front of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, yeah, you you know, you have to get your phone out and be like, oh, shit, where is this trading now? I don't know. Right. But you're also expected to be using it in the casino for the utility of gambling, I guess, um, that there there's no reason to expect it to have any value outside of exactly that context. But the, the even more dangerous thing, and it's around out what we're referencing in the quote, is that you would only want to possess it and you would only value it while you were in the casino, like as in for that period of time. It's even more uh, disastrously designed for most of the crypto stuff that we're criticizing because it's the, the the fact of it all being digital means that you you may as well assume you can get this instantly right like you don't even need you don't need to like go to the casino you don't spend time in the casino or whatever you can get it immediately and cash it in for whatever the utility is right and this blows up the entire economic argument of all these projects because there's there's basically always going to be sellers and never going to be buyers of this even if and this is the weird thing even if people are using it right like if, if there's hypothetically, there could be massive demand for whatever this utility is, right? Whatever this thing gets you, but there's still no reason to expect the actual token itself to have any value. It just doesn't, it doesn't add up. Yeah. I mean, no matter how big the casino gets, people aren't taking, very likely aren't taking casino chips home with them. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's basically what you have to assume, right? The other part that was interesting about that whole article was the the fact that you kind of pointed out this whole financial, quote unquote, financial system of crypto is one giant circle jerk of people just speculating. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's it's speculation that's levered on top of speculation that doesn't actually ever do anything useful. Like the yield yeah. farming example yeah. where, you know, you're basically levering and relevering these yields on top of each other, which is actually which is never lending any money to any entity in reality. That's producing a yield. It's never doing anything productive. Yeah, there's no, there's no return. Like, there's no rental properties here. There's no, there's no actual meaningful thing getting produced in the real world. It's just a yeah. giant circle jerk. So, yeah. 
those ideas together as well, like co, you know, they just coalesce really well and they're able to spell it out. You know, well, too bad. A lot of people didn't read that shit six months ago. So they would have <laughs> probably saved them a lot of money. And as it aged well, it's almost like what I think of from this section. And I just wrote this down while you were talking. It's almost like when we talk about what's the, what's the best monetary technology in general through history. And then for the 21st century, the most saleable good you could mm-hmm. say across time and space. It's almost like it needs to do nothing. And as a result of doing nothing, do everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? By yeah. doing nothing, it does everything. But by trying to do everything, it's going to do nothing is money. Mm, that's some kind of Zen. I feel <laughs> yeah. like Buddhists would say yeah. that. Doing yeah. nothing is everything, Dan. That's my third article. This is going to be a series now from this uh, discussion. Oh, but there's no, no, you can't have that. There's no sexual innuendo there. You need to go back to the circle jerk one. You need to work mm, that you're in right. somehow. True. Yeah. Engorged member, circle jerk, doing nothing. Yeah. Do you kind of resonate with that though? Of just it's it's a function of trying to do too much, and is doing too much. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah, not going to compete as money. We're we're talking about the realm of of money here, of base layer value transfer. Yeah. That's the competition we're talking about. There's um there's a talk that we we reference it, but I think we also quote it towards the end of Only the Strong Survive. Uh, so it was uh, Ryan Gentry and Drew Van Sal in uh, not this Miami, but the previous one, Miami 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, very strongly encourage people to go watch it. And it's like 15 minutes or something, right? It's, it's um, you know, short. You probably want to watch it more than once, to be fair, because it's, it's very, it's quite dense, but it's very, very good. But they, they talk about exactly this, that w- one of the, um, I mean, their, their topic is a bit wider. It's basically just, you know, comparing the kind of the mechanics in some sense of, of Bitcoin and, and crypto. Um, and they actually, now that I'm remembering it, they have kind of a similar aim. I think they say this up front that they want to encourage uh, people who are maybe on the fence or, you know, maybe are signing a bit more with crypto than, than with Bitcoin that actually their, you know, talents to, to some extent, probably in a lot of cases are better served building on a more secure foundation. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I actually quite clearly remember being inspired by that and like wanting to work as much of that into the, into the piece as possible. But at some point in that talk, they do make exactly this comparison that, uh, and, and they, they track as well what the, the, the various narratives of Ethereum have been over its existence, you know, as they, Quite a few. I, I guess you could say this is a little bit to their credit that they've, they've realized, um, that, you know, the previous narrative kind of. A combination of like didn't make sense but like was far too broad and that there's a more specific problem they need to solve but this has happened like three or four times and it's gone i forget the different you know layers of it that they outlined but it started with world computer right it's like this is for everything and they've gradually made their way towards like ah shit this kind of needs to be money it needs to be money doesn't it it's ultrasound money yeah <laughs> for me to make money it needs to be money yeah, <laughs> that's what yeah. the thing that's going off in their brain. We could go for a lot longer, but we're going to end with probably the most important, uh, deep question yeah. of the conversation, which is my where do you stand on cast iron, Alan? <laughs> <laughs> this is okay, so like honestly, I've if you answer this, this wrong, we're not even going to produce this. <laughs> this is a big deal to us. Where do you stand? I've known about this for like. Well, I mean, we've been doing this for an hour and a half, so I guess 
two and a half hours. Wait, what's the most I fiat answer possible? Is the most fiat answer a just a nonstick pan, like not even stainless steel? Just one can of those you, cheap. Can you fucking, explain it to me? Yeah, like let me give you. Let me get. I actually am pretty. I, and Josh will too. In that, um, we're not we're not necessarily cast iron maxis, but we have the biggest cast iron skillet you've ever seen at all three of our fire stations. It gets used pretty much every day. The the debate started steel versus cast iron specifically for a steak. This is my hierarchy of fiatness of this conversation that I'll hand it to you guys. Cooking a, a filet mignon or a New York strip or a really good piece of meat on a steel pan is the most fiat thing you can do. Oh, sure. Yeah, you got to grill it. Middle ground is grill. And then top level, top level enlightenment mm-hmm. is cast iron. What are your thoughts, gentlemen? I feel like I've been rubbed on this. I thought I thought it was just unanimous that you had to grill it. I, and I say this out of like, I, I, I'm now realizing, yeah, it's sadness. It's like, I've definitely been misled because I don't even have a grill. I've just like, I've aspired to one day own a grill. <laughs> so I can grill a steak. So you've been, and you don't have a cast iron skillet either? Or do you have a cast iron skillet? No, no I have a cast iron one. Okay, yeah. okay. I think it started with NVK and Safedine. They kind of got into a tussle and it's been, it's been all, it's literally all Bitcoin Twitter has been talking about in the midst of a sovereign debt crisis. Anything to distract from the price being 20 grand. People, yeah. doesn't matter, man. Cast iron. So did somebody win? Like, have we, is one of them like now out? Are we what they need to do is fight each other with them? a steel pan and a fucking, and an iron pan and see who wins. That's oh. it. This is just the MMA bout all over again. <laughs> yep. Whoever gets cracked in the head first loses. Clean fight. Mm-hmm. So wait, who is on what side? Um, I believe NVK is cast iron and safe is steel. Um, or non non cast Ooh. iron skillet. I don't know. Who if do we think's got the longer arm between the two of them? Who's gonna reach the other guy's head first? <laughs> I give. I, Rod- I think Rodolfo. I've never met NVK in real life. I don't know how big he is. The problem is I haven't seen them both in real life, like next to each other. Like I want to know who's got yeah. the size, who's got the reach. This is the downside of the size. Yeah. All of us living on the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one actually knows what would happen if we ever met. Bitcoin twenty twenty three NVK Safedine pay per view. Yeah. Fucking ring. For the record, I'll close out by saying if I am cooking a nice piece of meat, it is on a cast iron skillet, butter, thyme, salt, pepper, garlic. Um, That's my vote. I haven't heard that. The rest of it I'm on board with. Uh, Garlic, salt. What do you think? Mm, Love it. Yeah. It's a good option. Wait, wait, wait. Dan, before before I let you off that easy, how long before do you salt that piece of meat? You just throw salt on right before you cook it or you let it? I usually Let pull it out. We'll, call, we'll say I'll go 20 minutes. I'll give it 20 minutes in the Ooh. air. Salt and pepper go on when it comes mm. out of the fridge. Wrong answer. Wrong. Wrong. What's your you got to let that thing sit at least an hour with the salt on it to Holy let the osmosis shit. draw the salt in and get to room temperature, man. Wow. Oh, my God. This is perfect. This is how we learn by throwing ideas out, yes. making them compete, seeing which is the best. Yeah. Josh is a great cook. We have yeah. to have a steak off. Steak off at the firehouse. Yep. Alan, uh, close us out here with a handoff to you, your work, anything you want our audience to know. Get the book, I guess. It's free now. I mean, if you want a physical one, you get it on either. If you're in the US, the uh, Bitcoin Magazine website. If you're not, it's a lot easier to just get it on Amazon. Um, but if you want a free version, you, I think it's my pinned tweet, I'm pretty sure. Um, there's a free PDF. Oh, you can get it. I've, I've like uploaded it to you know, Z library and all that kind of thing too. 
Um, so just make sure people are aware of that. Um, we, we were quite proud of that, Sasha and I. We're like the whole the whole point. I don't know if, if you guys even know this. If the audience knows it, that we haven't made any money from this. Uh, Bitcoin Magazine hasn't made any money from it. As soon as so the way it's worked is that they've obviously like had a decent expense in publishing it, but as soon as they make back their publishing costs from selling physical copies, everything after that goes to the Human Rights Foundation. Very um, cool. And, and therefore part of that, because we don't really care because we're not going to make money. Wait, what if I anyway. bought it on Amazon Kindle? Does that also go to Human Rights Foundation? I, I don't know. Well, I mean, you paid. So after yeah, Jeff probably. Bezos gets his cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after Bezos gets his yeah. cut. Um, but if you don't want a physical one, you just get it completely for free anyway. Free, oh, I should also just to, like, you know, flog more of what's in the book, <laughs> more of the subsections, free as in freedom and as in beer. So you don't need to pay for it and you can do whatever you want with it. Mm. You need to read cool. the book to know what that means. Alan, <laughs> thank you. Enjoyed this. Thank you guys. Um, lots to chew on from this one. We'll have you back on at some point in the future. Oh, I'd love to, yeah. Appreciate your time. But only if you've watched Igorina Volita because we've got to talk oh, about yeah, it. Yeah, we're going to definitely check that, that out. <laughs> Yeah, send us a send us a link if you get. Oh, I will. I'll, I, as soon as you guys tweet the episode, I'll tweet the show. Hell yeah! Beautiful. All right, take care, man. Thanks for coming. Cool. All right, thanks very much, guys. Thanks so much for listening into the show. If you enjoyed this discussion, be sure to like or subscribe on whatever app you're using for podcasts or on YouTube. And if you have an extra minute, go ahead and leave us a review. We are also active on Twitter at blue underscore collar BTC. And our email address is bluecollarbitcoinpodcast at gmail.com. We invite questions, comments, or inquiries of any kind. We look forward to you joining us again on the BCB Podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah.